Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Hello there. This is a Moncrief show, but this is not Sean Moncrief. This is Jarlath Regan sitting in for Sean, and it is the best part of the week. Movies and booze. Today I'm joined in the studio by Dean McGuinness, Arlene Hunt, and Fanula Jones. You're all very welcome. You're looking brilliant. Hi, guys. So, Hello. Dean, let's uh, find out what's the first beer. What, what beers do you have for us today? We have got, well, we have the National Homebrew Club uh, had to take uh, a bit of a hiatus from their annual beer conference. So for COVID, it wasn't happening. Um, So they are in the process of getting ready for this year's beer competition after three years of a break. And in honour of that, we're going to be talking about beer competitions. And then we've got two beers that are from two very similar styles and having a look at the differences between them and how they'd be judged in a beer competition. So first one from an Irish brewery, Whiplash. Blue Ghost and it's a German Pills and the second one from Canada Moosehead Small Batch Czech Pills Absolutely sounds good to me I'll be digging into that in a, mi- in a moment of course Arlene is here and what movies do you have for us? Well seeing as Valentine's Day is just gone we have the first movie we have is uh, What's Love Got To Do With It? Yeah no, now this one uh, I, I want to talk about this movie because it doesn't look promising from the trailer I have many things to say about this movie <laughs> okay. so we're okay. all on the same page and the next movie then is the big one the big, the big hitter for the for the month I would say Ant-Man and the Wasp another I think it's number 31 in the Marvel canon oh uh, and God. it's Quantumania Yeah Mania that is what's set in <laughs> over there at the MCU so Fanula, you have a wide selection of showbiz sure stories do. for us. Let's start there. Why don't you tell us your first showbiz story for today? With some sad news yesterday uh, about Bruce Willis. Uh, so obviously he'd announced his retirement in March 2022 following an aphasia diagnosis. So that's a condition that affects the brain, causes difficulty with language and speech. Um, but his family have now come out since and said he's been diagnosed with uh, frontotemporal dementia. Um, uh, he released The, the statement was released uh, the Moors and the Willises. So he's since remarried uh, but it was signed on behalf of his children and everything and they kind of said that they were grateful that they have this more specific diagnosis um, but that unfortunately it has progressed you know he's really struggling with communication and they said as I said that it is really painful but it is a relief to have like this clear diagnosis so yeah very sad news um, yeah, it's not, not your typical showbiz news no sorry it? to start on a dour note I will say but I just did think it was uh, important to uh, talk about especially because I think there was a lot of discussion around I think prior to his retirement there was a lot of discussion around the types of movies that Bruce was doing and kind of questions as to why he was doing these kind of really naff you know straight to DVD action things that weren't great and there were uh, reports that he was having lines fed to him because he couldn't remember them but this was actually why he was struggling so much and you know there are going to be people listening who are affected by this who are family members affected by it so in some ways there is an opportunity here for this to become a positive story where it does get talked about more because there was a suggestion as well was there not that he was taking some of these roles because of he was being taken advantage of absolutely yeah and uh, back to your point like that's kind of what the family have said and that's why they're talking so openly about it and speaking on his behalf because currently there is no treatment available uh, for FTD so they're like the more we talk about it and someone as high profile and beloved as Bruce just kind of shines shines that light on the condition and gets people talking as you said and raises that awareness so yeah absolutely I mean Bruce Willis is such a part of my like definitely my favorite 
favourite Christmas movie and the, the Ooh, whole controversial whole bag oh of worms I know what I'm doing my son Mikey anyway I'll blame him he says it's the best Christmas movie that's ever been made Die Hard and you know it's it's tough isn't it Fennel? because they're nearly mourning the man before he's already gone absolutely yeah to so many people in some ways you do lose the person yeah. in dementia but look, I think in other ways, I think there's an argument to be made that like, don't we always say like, it's good to give people their flowers before mm. they die. And it's been great to have these conversations around like these great performances that we've seen him in and these great memories of him and the man he is and the actor he is. Yeah. So it is definitely, it's it's bittersweet for sure. But I think what they're doing is is so important. Mm. So well, important. Dean, maybe we should drink to him on the first uh, beer. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the, the stuff that he's given us, the great memories that we've had. So what are we looking at in terms of the first beer? Here? Right, so first beer is Whiplash Blue Ghost Pills. So, now, uh, the Pilsner style is the style that most people would be familiar with in terms of uh, beers. It's the the kind of broadest, most widely available style. But this would be a classic German style Pils. So, a lot of the beers that fall under the Pils category, now the mainstream beers that would be out there, they'd be kind of classified as as what they call an international pale lager. And uh, a certain amount of the hop character would be dialed back. They'd be made a little bit more accessible. With this, you've got uh, quite a bit more um, uh, hop flavour to it. They're using buckets and buckets of hops in this beer. Um, and uh, part of the reason why they're using buckets of hops in the beer is they're doing something a little bit unusual with how they're brewing the beer. Um, one of the flavours that you get from hops is bitterness. It's a kind of a yeah, distinct that was taste my that you first get. Out take. There. I was yeah. like, this is very bitter. It's, uh, yeah, now about, um, I think, 38 to 40 IBUs. So up around the kind of entry level for an IPA. But because the uh, molds that are in it, are quite pale and quite low in flavour. Um, normally, if you've got a lot of bitterness, you'll have a lot of sweet malt balancing it out, and it kind of uh, tones down the bitterness now, a bit. Now, Dean, you, you know I am here that my first day in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> you threw in some initials there, like you were talking to Sean Moncrief. A couple of IBUs, like uh, you could have said WTFs. International really, bitterness units. International bitterness yeah, units. Yeah. So, um, what you've got is it's a scale for measuring bitterness, and it goes from about eight for a Budweiser Right. Uh, up to about over 100 is about as high as they can get it. Some uh, some breweries claim that they're brewing beers with 2,000 IBUs. You can't physically get 2,000 IBUs into a beer. Um, but if you've got like an intensely bitter beer, it'll be up around 70, 80, 90 uh, IBUs. Uh, with this one, it's at, at about 40. Um, but a way of kind of understanding that flavor is if you get a, a handful of salt and put it into a glass of water, it's going to taste incredibly salty. If you get that same handful of salt and put it into a flavorful soup, it's going to taste a bit salty, but not overly mm. salty because the sweetness and the other flavours in the soup will balance it out. It's the same with this. When you've got a lot of bitterness in a beer, if you've got very little malt flavours, so the malt flavours, the kind of sweet um, uh, wheat cracker, bread crust type flavours in, in a pills, um, where they're lighter flavours, uh, they'll tend not to mask the bitterness. You'll tend to get a bit more of a punch in the face. So so for some people, this is like starting the show again here, the Moncrief <laughs> show, because I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that he probably <laughs> asked 15 years ago <laughs> but you have a, a palette now that Dean is fully uh, trained to assess this kind of thing so you'd be able to tell me the bitterness units of 
a, a beer on, on first sip? G- generally, I can identify bitterness units to about five IBUs, yeah. Um, so, I uh, think, but as well as that, and in terms of uh, the types of things that go on with beer competitions, there's a, a range of, of very specific flavours um, that are uh, present in beers that people don't worry about. Nerds like me have orgasms about it. We have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One more time talking so about if I take a sip of this now, and I am certainly not an anorak or a nerd, and I've never had an orgasm over <laughs> a beer. <laughs> In fact, the only beer that I like is the one beer on a very hot day. I think it's just the greatest drink in the world. But to me, when I take a swig of this, it is exceptionally bitter. And I would say there's a that it does. It tastes a little bit manufactured. It doesn't okay. taste very natural to me. Okay. It, okay. It, and uh, you're saying okay, like <laughs> I know the guy that brewed this jar, and you're really offending him right now. <laughs> am I? Am I offending him? What you've got? Well, um, uh, I, I suppose manufactured is one that I'll have to tease out to work out exactly what what, what you're talking about. Uh, with it, what you've got uh, is an unusually high level of flavour from the hops. Uh, so uh, that'll come through as. Um, uh, black pepper, cracked black pepper, uh, sats hops tends to give that type of flavour. Uh, so you might get a little bit of kind of heat and uh, kind of that black pepper, pepperiness. Yeah, it's uh, so funny when says it, right, Arlene? Oh, yeah, when you say it, you say it. It's suddenly there in on your tongue. Yep. Um, now, um, also uh, a, a small amount of fresh tobacco. Now, if you think of kind of opening a pouch of tobacco, uh, not the dried out tobacco that you have in a cigarette yeah, that tastes stale and horrible. Like that, yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you get a certain amount of that. And that comes from what, what are called landrace hops, which are hops that are very complex hops that have evolved over uh, uh, hundreds of years. Uh, lots of different hops coming together to to, to um, birth these hops that and are called noble hops. This is a winner. This one that you're, you're the whiplash. This, this is, one, I don't is, know is if it, it has been entered into a competition. No, it, now, if you were judging this, you'd be looking for flavours. And in terms of the, the profile of it, uh, they have done a great job on it. Um, it would you're be, a fan. Uh, I, I think, yeah, um, Alex has done a great job on on this it would um, have the type of hop character that has been lost in a lot of mainstream uh, pilsners but at the same time uh, one of the things about beer competitions is that people look at beers that have won a beer competition and they say oh this beer has won a beer competition so now I have to like it Mm. that's not really the case the way that I describe it would be if you had an award winning hamburger and you gave it to a vegan would they? They're not they're going not to like, like the hamburger yet. because they don't like hamburgers. Mm. Um, so if you're not into traditional German pills, then this might be too much for you. If yeah. you are into traditional German pills, it's an excellent example but of you're it. You're converting me, Dean, to the idea of the anarchism <laughs> of uh, the beers. Uh, uh, and I, I'm not that way. We need to go back to Fanula for another story here because I know we've got quite a lot of stuff There's to so get many. through. It was a big week. Um, did you know that Steven Spielberg almost directed the first Harry I know I wish he did. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I would like to see what that would have looked like. Exactly. That's what I want to see. Yeah. So around that time, I think he was just starting to have a family and they were starting to have children. And basically, if he took this job, he would have had to move from Los Angeles to the UK. And he ultimately was like, now nah, you know what I'm going to do stuff in the UK. He, he, like, it wasn't that he wasn't working. He worked on a movie at the time that it, the name escapes me. So he's um, the first approach. Yeah. Wow. I chose to turn down the first Harry Potter to basically spend that next year and a half with my family, my young kids growing up. So I sacrificed a great franchise, which today, looking back, I'm very happy to have done to be with my family. And then it was Chris Columbus, obviously, went on to direct the first Harry Potter, which launched the franchise into the stratosphere. So what could have been? And are you of the opinion that it would have been a, a disaster? 
I'm not of the opinion that it would have been a disaster, but I just think it would have looked very different. But I suppose that first Harry Potter movie isn't great. Like it's, and I know that's hard to say because it launched the franchise, but it's not. It's it's not the one at Christmas where you're like, oh, we'll sit down and watch the like the Philosopher's Stone because well, all the, all the kids are so bad, and obviously they're because they're kids. <laughs> but like you know, you want the rest of the later movies because there's the action and but the darkness if you read, and if you read stuff. The Alan Rickman Diaries, it gives you a whole different perspective. On, oh, yeah. what did he say? Go, oh, he had lots of lots of things to say about it, but he didn't think much of the. But mostly he was worried about fitting into the costume a lot, but he, he didn't think much of the, the the child actors at the time. Now, he grew fond of them over the, the, the course of the franchise, but initially he was a bit like... Yeah, that's because he's got eyes. But also he thought... <laughs> Those kids I were also terrible. I felt they... He felt they didn't really take it seriously at the time either. Really? Yeah, he didn't... Because he, he, he was a very professional actor mm. and he would come to everything with... You know, a lot of precision and a lot of yeah. Where is uh, Haley Joel Osment when you need him? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I just think he 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 found it difficult to work with what he would at the time have considered extreme amateurs. See, for me, I think you've nailed it in what you said, Fanula, in terms of it's not one that you go back to. Every Spielberg, everything Spielberg touches is rewatchable on some mm. level, but that first one. It's a bit of a turkey. Let's be totally honest. It wouldn't. It it, it just. It, it, it sometimes when someone starts something, it's everything in the kitchen sink goes into it though at the very start, and then they they become more of there's a more finesse as they go along because mm. people know who the characters are and they know the backstory of the characters. And I think with the first film and in a lot of things in the first franchise, everything in the kitchen sink is thrown into it so that you know who everyone is, and it can slow things down enormously. And we're going to talk about an over CGI'd movie later on uh, with the Ant Man release coming. But while I have you there, Ar- Arlene, we have a text in. Has Arlene seen the movie? Women Talking, Frances McDormand. She has. Jesse Buckley are selling it to me. It is, is it worth my biannual cinema visit? Megan, a woman who only goes to the cinema twice a year. It depends on whether Megan likes the type of movie that Megan likes. Does she like action movies or does she like sort of more introspective movies? This is very introspective, but it also is very theatre-like in that much of the movie takes place in one scene. Mm. And there's a couple of other scenes around it, but most of it is, is, is it's very character-driven very character driven and it's very verbose uh, it's very intense um, I thought it was tremendous when I saw it and I thought about it a lot when I left the cinema so it's just one it depends on the style of movie you like And is it a general release? It doesn't sound like that it sounds like No it's limited release but uh, I think the IFI still have it going and so it's you know it'd probably be in more select cinemas around the country So women talking a cheeky little recommendation in there and another text here for you Arlene what do you what do all of the panel think of Colin's chances a best actor at this weekend's BAFTAs. Now, this this is often, you know, a temperature check for what the industry, what way the weather vane is going in terms of the Oscars. I think he's got enormous popularity behind him on top of the fact that the role really suits him. Do you so, mean popularity as in everyone thinks he's sound? Popularity in that he's done a lot of really good work over the last few years. You know, he's moved away from the, the bigger blockbusters and he's moved into more interesting interesting films. He's put the work in, he's put the effort in. He's told people, he's shown people what a good actor he mm. is. And I actually think the character in Banshees of Inishfree, it it, it is, suits him down to a T. So I think in terms of performances, I think he has a good shot. Do you uh, go to the bookies? Do you, no. you never look at no. the odds on these things? No, Because they do tend to know. Oh, I know, but I, I don't. I don't ever, I don't ever set foot across a bookies door in my life. Well, maybe we'll get the odds. Maybe we'll get the odds. <laughs> Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. You're an interesting man.
Scott Lang. Um, I don't know who you are, but you've made a big mistake. Okay? I'm an Avenger. I've called the other Avengers. You're an Avenger? Have I killed you before? <laughs> what? They all blur together after a while. You're not the one with the hammer. It's Thor. We get confused a lot. Similar body types. Who are you? Just a man who's lost a lot of time. Like you. But we can help each other with that. Arlene Hunt, it's the new Ant-Man you're listening to a clip of there. It's Charlotte Regan sitting in for Sean Moncrief. It is, of course, Movies and Booze. Arlene, I am so excited to talk about this. I was so excited to see this film until I saw the trailer. Right. Give us your view on this thing. You've seen it. Okay, as I said at the start, this is number 31 of, I think, of the Marvel canon. And I think it's the third of the Ant-Man movies. And they started out initially as very funny, very dry, very, you know, kind of like the more comedic end of the Mm -hmm. Marvel Universe. And this one is taking things to a slightly more po-faced, as you can probably hear there in the delivery of (laughs) Kang. You know, slightly more po-faced. So the opposite of what Ant-Man yeah, it, it's Ant-Man has always been based a lot on humour and it, as you can hear there, it's quite funny. You know, the line about Thor, like, the, the two of them getting confused. I don't think anyone's going to confuse Thor and, and uh, Ant-Man <laughs> in any of the multiverses. But um, so what you're hearing there is he's talking about, have I killed you before? Because you have to remember that there's a lot of multiverse action going on here. And for for some people, they won't get that. But for other people, if you're a big Marvel fan, you'll you'll get excited about it because you're, you're delving into the quantum realm. Right. You're delving into the multiverse. You're delving into different streams, different lives, different branches. You're shaking your head. But already people are drifting off because (laughs) in everything you're saying here is if you liked the first Ant-Man, this is now in Bananas Bizarro World where there's an infinite number of universes. It's the quantum realm. And so if if you're a fan of the original Ant-Mans, you'll know that Janet, who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer, was trapped in the quantum realm for about 30 years. And Janet was released in the last film. Hank, who's played by Michael Douglas and Scott, who's obviously Paul Rudd, and Hope, who is Evangeline Lilly, they rescued her from the quantum realm. And at the opener of this uh, Ant-Man in particular, they're still on Earth. And... Uh, for me, the best part of this film is while they were still on Earth because it was funny because you have Ant-Man is going around hawking his book, <laughs> you know, look out for the little guy. And he's hawking <laughs> his book around all these stores and reading to kids. And, you know, it's quite funny. He's quite charming. He's getting free coffees from things because, you know, hey, he's an Avenger and all this kind of stuff. And it's great fun. His daughter has been arrested, Cassie, has been arrested because she, you know, goes to protests and in parks and she wants to help people, which is very, you know, is very noble. part of the Avengers and it's noble. Yeah. So uh, so he he and Hope go to take her out of the prison. They go back to the house. They have a family dinner. They're sitting down. They're like, hey, you know, you can't just keep getting arrested. And she's like, oh, I can do what I like. You know, I'm, you, look at you guys. You guys go all over the universe, which I think is fair for a teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she he discovers... Ant-Man discovers during the dinner that she's been working on something in the basement as 18-year-olds do. I was thinking a bong, but apparently not. So she goes downstairs and she's been working on quantum physics with her granddad, Hank. And she has found a way to send a signal to the quantum realm 
and hopefully find out, you know, what's going on down in the quantum realm. And at this point, Janet absolutely loses her mind and panics and starts yelling at them, going, no, I don't want you doing this. I don't want you sending anything down there. And they're like, why, why? Which I thought was a good question. And she's going, I can't tell you, which I thought was a stupid answer. And so they send the message down into the quantum realm. She knocks the machine off. It's all very dramatic. And then another signal comes back up and suddenly they're all, every single one of them in the room is sucked into the quantum realm. Oh, God. And so we leave Earth and we join the quantum realm. Yeah. And like when you talk about the reality of it and, you know, the parental reaction to this and, you know, Ant-Man spending his life hawking his book. To me, there is the problem. That's 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 part of it. That the the karate kid is fun because we get to see the transition of a yeah. no hope or loser become an, a superstar. All of these movies have ventured off into some territory where you need to have seen the 30 movies to enjoy all of the references. Well, he does do an, a whole exposition of who he is at the start of this as he's walking along the street and people are saying hi and everyone recognises him. So you know so he's you somebody important. If you've you know. not seen Endgame. Oh gosh, I don't know if you'd enjoyed it if you hadn't seen Endgame. That's a whole different. That's a whole different bite of an apple <laughs> right there. <laughs> that's a very different bite of the apple right there. But the original, the first two Ant Mans would have Ant Men would have stood on his <laughs> stood on its own. Ant Men. Very hard to have an intellectual chat about really an Ant Man. It is. I th- I find this every time I talk Marvel movies in here, I end up tying myself up in knots <laughs> trying to make to make sense of it all. But the. Two original Ant-Men were, could easily stand on their own. And yeah. in this one, there is a level of understanding that you need from the Marvel movies because once you go into the multiverse, you know, you, you have to have this kind of understanding. And then it also ties back to Loki, the TV show. Um, so there's a whole load of things going on because the multiverse is quite complicated. Also, who is Kang? Why did Janet never mention Kang? And why and, do I care? And, well, there is an element of that there to is, it until right? you learn that, you know, if you tie it in with Loki, he's actually a very big deal coming down the track. Yeah. But you don't know that who, in this who, movie. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer just didn't mention. To and, anyone. And to me, that like even in the trailer, the fact that she goes, uh, there's some stuff I didn't mention to you. Uh, I was living down there for 30 years <laughs> yeah. and there's a fella down there and I'm telling you, he makes Thanos look like a nice fella. Right. I mean, you would think... <laughs> She'd, it'd come up. You'd imagine it'd come up at some point over a glass of wine or something like <laughs> exactly. that. But it, it doesn't. And so... And they, so that's your and, movie. And so you arrive down into the into into the, 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 the realm and... The green screen. Well, let's not, let's not, let's not. But let's it is not, all, let's not, it's all let's, CGI, right? I too much salt and pepper onto the soup already. So <laughs> yeah, end up in the realm. There's a lot of CGI. They're obviously working on a lot of green screens. It's very interesting, the world down there, because on the one hand, you've got some amazing world building but on the other hand you have what looks like the cast of Star Wars reject cast of Star Wars wandering around the planet which is really odd and I don't really know why they went with that there's some really really funny scenes in it there's some really uh, moments of fun and humour but as soon they separate when they go down there so Hank and Hope and uh Hank and, Hope and Janet go one way and they go to a city to see if they can get help from Lord Kalar. Oh, Lord. <laughs> He's played by Bill Murray. Actually, I'd say played by Bill Murray, phoned in by Bill Murray. Oh, so yeah, he goes I there. I've heard that this is one of the worst Bill Murray cameos. If there's such a thing, like you would think, how can the MCU mess up anything else more? Bill, Bill Murray, Murray appearing yeah, Bill anywhere Murray. in the world is a good thing. But in this movie, I've heard he, not good. I I watched it and I watched it carefully and I just don't I don't get what Bill Murray's role in this was because he is just completely, completely 
he's phoning this in from a, a from a, a galaxy far away. He's phoning this in. <laughs> oh my god! In what <laughs> really way that he's just not present? He's just no, why, he why am not. I here? And he's not threatening, really. You know, he's not. There's nothing threatening about him. Like the whole idea that this guy's come down and she was his friend back in the day, and you know they had fought the resistance together and all this kind of stuff. And then he comes sauntering in, and obviously, you know, he's changed a lot. Um. And there's a sort of a couple of like gentle dialogue sides where they've obviously had some sort of relationship together and Hank is not that happy about that as he's, again, has just learned about it. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. there's a whole, and I don't know, there's just like a whole host of things that made me question some of the decisions that they made. But the main one that made me question the decision is, is I, I felt for the whole of the movie that I really, I missed the element of threat in it. Like, at no point did I feel that any of the characters were in danger. And that sounds really daft, but... No, you, you, know, you need jeopardy. You need jeopardy. You need fear. You need the idea that... Stake? Yeah, the idea that, that if you make one false move, things could go very wrong. Mm. And I I don't get that feeling at all because... Is it because you're oversubscribed with MCU movies? That you've no, been it's not, MCU it's not even that. Cassie, who's 18 in this in this film... One of all, first of all, she's 18, so she's being arrested by the police on Earth and, you know, she's been a typical teenager to a certain degree. As soon as she goes into the quantum realm, she understands how to operate her suit. She understands how to be big, to be small, to be all the things that Ant-Man can do. And it took him two movies to learn. And it took him two movies to learn. (laughs) And he bags it up a lot of times in the first movie. So, you know, so this kind of element of like, well, I automatically know what to do. robs you of that kind of fear that you have that you don't know what you're doing. You're in absolute peril here. And thank God your parents are here and they'll save you. There's none of that at all. And that's just so disappointing because if they had added an element of absolute fear for her and her parents were afraid and her grandparents were afraid for her, then it's a whole different movie. You're just thinking, oh, my God, they have to help her, you know, or she'll or she'll die. Well, Arlene, before we get whether you're going to recommend this movie that people go and see it, uh, let's read out a couple of texts uh, on, on the Marvel thing. The piece on dark energy made more sense than this Marvel Universe stuff <laughs> from Paddy. It's, it is fair to say it has become absolutely impenetrable. And the beers, Dean, they're wondering, is there any orangey beers? <laughs> Dean can suggest. I didn't know there was a category of beer. I'm looking for something orangey. <laughs> I want a beer that will feel kind of citrusy. That's Emmy who's getting in touch with that. OK, if you're looking for citrus flavours uh, with American IPAs, you'll get a certain amount of citrus flavours from um, hops like Cascade Centennial. Um, they deliver uh, citrus and also a certain amount of pine uh, flavour. So it is a thing. So, uh, so it is. Can, yeah, yeah, people yeah, do um, want an uh, orangey beer. You, you've got uh, a whole category of flavours called esters. Okay. And uh, it goes uh, uh, across well, polyesters. from uh, <laughs> banana, <laughs> banana, apple, orange, uh, tropical fruit, yeah. grapefruit. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And actually, if you if you get citrus flavors and put a certain amount of bitterness with it, you tend to get um, uh, quite an amount of grapefruit character out of it. We mentioned the uh, betting for uh, Colin Farrell winning the BAFTA at the weekend. Fanuli, you are not a, a gambler yourself, but Paddy Power have been in touch to say that Colin Farrell is. 8 to 13 to win Best Actor. That makes him the favourite. Austin Butler's 5 to 1. Brendan Fraser, 11 to 4. Paul Meskel, fellow Kildare man and friend. Shout out to Paul Meskel, 14 to 1. It's not going to happen this time, Paul. Fanula, do you have a do you have another BAFTA related story for us or uh, something? Some, well, first of all, who's your pick to win that? Oh, I I think Colin will get the BAFTA because I'm I think I don't I don't want to jinx him and put this out into the world and say he won't get the Oscar, but the Oscar is a much tighter race. race. Mm. 
and I would have my concerns about that but I'm not putting that bad juju out there How Colin's going to win Colin's going to win as in that there's more campaigning involved well I think because it's kind of a mix of genres as well so like with uh, the Globes he was up in comedy but whereas now he's competing with the likes of like Austin Butler as well and Brendan Fraser and I know people have been saying that whale movie is not good but apparently he is like a shining light in that movie and then Austin Butler obviously Elvis he's been kind of sweeping up in places so I don't know I still kind of think in terms of like as Arlene said he's put in the work if anyone was going to get it why wouldn't it be him but I would just I don't want to I don't want to be too I don't want to get overexcited and then be disappointed is your you're too superstitious to be a tipster Fanula that's that's what I'm learning I'm a little stitious I'm a little stitious (laughs) Movies and Booze I'm Moncrief on News Talk Uh, Another Fanula is in the room. Fanula Jones, she's got another showbiz story for us. What is it? Yes, I sure do. We were talking earlier about how Harry Potter could look very different with a different director. Uh, And now we're talking about a movie that came out very recently, Avatar 2. For anyone who has seen Avatar The Way of Water, um, there's a new character in this movie played by Jermaine Clement, who people know from Flight of the Concords. Very funny guy. Uh, It's Dr. Ian Garvey. He's like a marine biologist who... I can't fully remember. He works for the bad guys and he's trying to mine something from Wales to keep people young, basically. No, he's not blue. He's like a real person in it. But he's like, he's figured out the thing with the whales to like, you take it off the whales and everyone stays young forever. If you haven't watched this, this means nothing to you. But also if you've watched it, you're probably still like, (laughs) I don't remember this. But anyway, um, Mark Maron, the comedian, actually auditioned for that role. um, And he was talking about the audition process today or this week on a different podcast, not his own. And basically, he just said he found it like really disconcerting because obviously this particular scene again they're like chasing the whales or something or they're fighting the whales I don't know so they're in water so again it's all like green screen and everyone's up on dollies whatever it's not the actual actors and you know and Mark's talking about the fact that he's having to try and pretend that he's on a boat and like everyone's kind of up on these like (laughs) scaffolding whatever and he's just like he is his head's melted and, and like naturally he doesn't get it because he just he can't nail I, it I at all. I what but Alan Rickman would have done in that situation. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been fabulous. He would have been fabulous. He would have nailed it. He would have nailed it. Chasing tennis balls and talking to a fella in a green suit. I mean it is a challenge for these actors. Mm. And we've been talking about the new Ant-Man and how overly CGI'd it is. Mark uh, who's somebody I actually know has a very low tolerance for nonsense. I mean that's what he's built his reputation mm. on as a comic. Mm. And he details exactly how difficult this is. It's a wonder anybody's getting any parts being asked to do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It was very funny the way he spoke about it. He hasn't seen the movie since. So like, again, if you've seen it, like it's a small part. Like they're not, Jermaine Clement isn't on screen for a huge amount of time. But I think you have to commit to the rest of the movies if you are in that role. So he was kind of saying he was glad he didn't get oh, it. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't want those millions of yeah. dollars. <laughs> but he was saying because Jermaine's obviously living in New Zealand, it's more convenient for him or whatever. Sure. But um, James Cameron sent Mark uh, a box of cigars after just to be like, Thanks for stopping by, I suppose. Sorry that it was an absolute head wreck. And Mark was like, well, sure, that's grand, so. Yeah, well, that, you'd rarely, when you don't get a job, do you, does the employer send you a gift? Do you get afterwards? a present, yeah. I mean, if that is a tradition that we could start up, I think uh, maybe we get people out there applying for more jobs. There you go. There you go. Uh, Take leaf out of James Cameron's book. Dean's got something for us that stops people going out and getting their own job. <laughs> Staying at home and drinking this delicious beer that you brought in. Th- that is my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You made a job out of it. Uh, what have you got? for us here now this okay, so part of the movies and booze. on to our second it's another lager a Czech Pilsner now in terms of beer styles the original Pilsner was first brewed in uh, Czechoslovakia at the time what is now the Czech Republic and it 
it was brewed in the town of Pilsen, and the word Pilsner means from the town of Pilsen. Uh, so uh, that was in 1842. So, uh, it was brewed by a Bavarian brewer who was brought to uh, Pilsen to, to brew the beer. Uh, and then uh, a, a few decades later, the Germans started um, uh, emulating the style and uh, you ended up with a Czech Pilsner and a German Pilsner style. This is Moosehead Small Batch Czech Pilsner and it is brewed to the Czech Pilsner style. Um, again, noble hops, so there's a certain amount of that cracked black pepper type um, spiciness to it. Um, but it's a, a rounder malt sweetness. In Germany and uh, particularly as you go further up north in Germany um, uh, there are areas where they're brewing where the sulphate uh, concentration in the water is a bit higher. Uh, It's similar to what happens in Burton-on-Trent where you get very crisp IPAs and when you've got that sulphate content now the the specific type of sulphate, it's calcium sulphate and if you don't know, if if your eyes are glazing over because of the chemistry terms plaster of Paris uh, so if you uh, that's think, what I'm tasting uh, th- that's the um, the iron that is in the water that causes the beer to be more uh, crisp when it is a German Pilsner with the Czech Pilsner less sulphate so slightly rounder a little bit softer a little bit sweeter I really like this one I don't know what your opinion is here Arlene and Fanula but this this really is something now this <laughs> just makes you f- it actually is a freshness to it right yeah. uh, am I right I always look to the person who knows about beers and go am I right in saying that am I, am I going crazy feeling fresh after drinking beer it is fresh bright yeah um, uh, it's it's got a, a nice roundness to it good hop character with this uh, the bitterness in this they're, they're almost identical 35 IBUs 35 bitterness units for the Czech Pilsner uh, 38 bitterness units for the German Pilsner but with this what you've got is you've got a little bit more sweetness in the malt so that sweetness mm. is softening down the bitterness so it makes a little bit more uh, accessible. So, uh, yet another dumb question from Jarlath about beer. Uh, the question I want to ask is you presented them both in cans and poured them into glasses for us here. Um, is that an issue in terms of bottling them or versus cans? Does that affect, like you're talking about very fine details here of water, but they're being presented in cans. Yep. Surely that has an impact. Uh, and are you thinking positive or negative? Oh, I would assume positive. Okay, right. And uh, what was I going to say? What you have is there is a type of flavour that you can get in beer. Uh, You get it particularly in clear glass bottles or green glass bottles. And what it is, is the um, the flavours that you get from hops. They can react with sunlight. And right. it changes into a flavour called skunky. It's basically similar to the, uh, uh, the 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 smell that you get when a skunk is trying to protect itself. Appetising. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is one of the most intense flavours in the universe. Uh, we can detect it down at parts per trillion, which means that if you've got um, uh, kind of tiny amounts of uh, skunkiness, you can pick it up. Yeah, you can pick it up in the building. And it's, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Again, uh, with some uh, green bottled glass beers, um, um, people just get to know that that's the flavour that they associate with the beer. So in, in Spain, if you're looking at certain beers that are, are served in green bottles or in the States, uh, clear glass bottle beers, you can get them to be intensely and the smoky. name of that one is? Uh, Moosehead Small Batch Czech Pilsner. OK, it's not a tangle twister beer by any chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give you a taste of that. You can't our... protect it from that skunkiness because you can't get sunlight in. Of course. Yeah. Let's yeah. get our final movie going here, Arlene. Why don't we hear a little clip from it now? Uh, dare I ask, what about love? You know what, it's just a different way of getting there. 
And you don't have to start with love. End with love, you know, and over time, you grow to love the person you're with. Hmm. What, like Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> you know my parents aren't making me do this, eh? No, I know. That's why I'm so surprised. Do you know what the UK divorce rate is? No. I found out. Uh, 15%. 55%. <laughs> and guess what it is for arranged marriages? 6%. Boom! Thing is, though, I've seen it work. I want my kids to have what I had. Stability. And marriage isn't just about two people being in love. It's, it's a bigger thing than that. It's about what's best for children and the whole family, society. Just say all that weird old-fashioned conventional shit on camera. It's <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> wow. This, um... This is what you just heard there was what's love got to do with it, Arlene. You've brought this into us, a, well. <laughs> a supposed comedy drama. Uh, like, I know how hard it is to get a movie made. Like, it is like I'm always careful here about saying anything negative about these things because it's a, it's a triumph to get anything on screen. It is. But is this a triumph or is it a turkey? It's neither one or the other. It's surprisingly touching in places genuinely surprising and touching places because the cast are exceptional. The cast are really, really good in this and the cast are so good in this that they elevated. Okay. Um, but in terms of the story, it actually, funny enough, the screenplay is by Jemima Khan, which really? I, I didn't realise. The Jemima Khan. The Jemima Khan, yes. And so she would have a lot of understanding between the relationships between, say, like a more secular person and, say, a, like a Muslim. Mm. So in this story, you have... Um, Zoe, who's a young, idealistic, that's Zoe, you can hear chatting away there in the background. Talk, she's talking to her childhood friend, Kaz, who's a doctor, and he's, he's a Muslim. He's from a Muslim family. And Kaz's parents, Kaz is getting on in years. I mean, he must be at least 35. You know? Ancient. So his parents want him to settle down and get married. And so, you know, he went to a, a, an arranger and he he eventually said, OK, his parents said, look, we, we will set you up with the right bride. And he said, OK, well, let's go for it. Let's go for it. And modern girl Zoe thinks this is absolutely appalling, even though Zoe has a track record that you if you you would bring it out the back and shoot it our track record with men they're terrible okay. she keeps going off with all the wrong people which she points out at one point to the film he was going look and, and as you can hear there he's saying you know arranged marriages they do very well they last the test of time and and Love marriages, uh, you know, they don't stand the test of time, not in, not in huge numbers. And so, you know, there's the argument going on. Well, well why is an arrangement bad? <clears throat> this is a romantic movie. So, well, it's it's posited as a romantic movie. So uh, because Zoe is a documentary maker, she sort of persuades Kaz to allow her and her mother, Kath, who's played by Emma Thompson, to accompany him and his family to Lahore, where he goes to meet for the first time in person his would be bride. bride. Be. Yeah. yeah, he's bride to be. Who's 22 and demure and, and you know, looks out from under her eyes. This is kind of like, almost like Diana, Princess of Wales years ago, you know, looking out from under her eyes, very young, very sweet. And so she wants to, to document the entirety of this, 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 arrangement and the marriage itself which takes place over three days and as she's there as is all romantic fiction she uh, discovers while she's there that she has feelings for Kaz herself Oh I didn't see it coming Arlene no, I, I didn't see it left coming Left of centre Left of centre Who would have known I mean it's 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 tough that we can't hear more about this movie but we're actually out of <laughs> so time I can see from your eyebrows I, 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 I'm sad that I'm not going to see it Jean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vanilla, Arlene thank you so much for thank coming you. in that is our lot for today Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk.